is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. So Mark 11, I'm just going to go straight into it. Thank you, Sandeep. I'm a bit disappointed. I thought I might be preaching from the river. Uh, I, I thought I could just preach out of the river of God. And then I thought, mm, I'd probably stumble. Uh, are you any, uh, do you stumble at all in your Christian walk, any of you? Yeah. Any, uh, the scripture tells us that we do, don't we? And uh, therefore, uh, stumbling's okay. Uh, it's what we do about when we stumble. You know, whether we pick ourselves up. So uh, the whole chapter of uh, Mark 11. So uh, whether you have got your phones, I'm quite often sitting there on my phone uh, in church and I'm not bidding on eBay or anything like that. It's not part of my stumbling. I'm usually finding my Bible app and doing those sorts of things. And uh, I didn't put this on my iPad. I I thought, no, I'm just going to go for the old notes and have paper with me today. So Mark 11, starting at verse 1, I thought we would read it together. I'll give you a couple of points out of it and then go for my main preach. Uh, So um, I started late, so hopefully you'll forgive me if I finish late. If anybody wants to go and tell the children's worker that Paul's Paul's on. So Paul's on, it could be. Okay, Mark uh, 11, verse 1. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you. Just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you why you are doing this, say, The Lord needs it and we'll send it back shortly. I love that bit. That's just showing that we're not stealing it, we're just borrowing it. Verse 4, they went and found the colt outside in the street, tied in a doorway. And as they untied it, someone, some people standing there asked, what are you doing untying that colt? And they answered as Jesus had told them to. And the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus, they threw their cloaks over it and he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches that they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead of those who, and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heavens. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple courts. He looked around at everything But since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. The next part, verse 12, and my Bible says, Jesus cursed a fig tree. We'll come back to this. The next day, as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to find out if there was any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves, because it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the tree, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, 
It is, not, is it not written, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers? The chief priests and the teachers of the law heard this and began looking for ways to kill him. For they feared him because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. When evening came, Jesus and his disciples went out of the city. And in the morning, as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots up. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go, throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. When you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. Verse 27. They arrived again in Jerusalem, and while Jesus was walking in the temple courts, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders came to him. By what authority are you doing these things, they asked, and who gave you authority to do this? Jesus replied, I will ask you one question. Answer me, and I will tell you by what authority I'm doing these things. They asked, asked, and who gave you authority? And he said, tell me this. John the Baptist, was it from heaven or human origin? So that's the question Jesus poses to them. And they discussed amongst themselves, if we say from heaven, then he will ask us, why didn't you believe in him? But if we say of human origin, um, they were fearful of the people, for everybody thought John really was a prophet. So instead of going one way or the other, they just answered Jesus and said, we don't know. And in response, Jesus said, neither will I tell you by what authority I am going to do these things. So there's the chapter 11 of of Mark, and uh, there's just so much in there. So uh, I've broken it down into five little areas, uh, and then we will go back to my main point, which is the fig tree. So the first part, we we see that uh, Jesus starts talking about uh, go and get the colt. Now, in Zechariah 9.9, we see that actually uh, the Saviour is going to ride into Jerusalem on a donkey, on this colt. So to fulfill Old Testament, when I was preaching last time, we were looking at um, the prep for Christmas. We were looking at at those preparations, uh, and I was looking at a number of the Old Testament prophecies that were prophesying the coming of the Christ, the birth of a virgin, birth of a a child from a virgin, etc. And here we are seeing again, as Jesus walks through his ministry life, right the way up to his death and resurrection, he's continuing to fulfill Old Testament prophecies. So the cult was in Zechariah 9.9. Triumphant entry in the Old Testament, that comes into Isaiah 62. We see Jesus and all the crowds shouting, oh, wonderful. 
But of course, what we've got here is the crowd, the world, <laughs> the wonderful, wonderful world that we live in, that on one day will say, Hosanna in the highest, and a week later, crucify him. Uh, so looking at the world's values here, we can quite often get sidetracked and think, you know, the world knows, doesn't it? They can see the Messiah, they can see... But actually, the same people, similar people, are, are, are shouting for one thing, and then, depending on how they're feeling, they're shouting for something else. So, uh, the third part of Mark is the fig tree, and as I say, we're coming back to it. The fourth part was the clearing of the temple. The world and its corruption had actually got into the temple. So um, when, when, you know, we don't actually serve drinks and all that sort of thing whilst you're worshipping. We don't come around and do that here, do we? Would it be good? Or it might it be distracting from actually pressing into the presence of God? When you're having a look at what was going on, here was the temple and the money changers. Well, you had to use temple money to buy the offering. So you can imagine the conversion rates. Okay, and uh, the, the fees for actually exchanging the money. And then actually having to buy and sell things in the middle of the temple so you can bring your offering. And uh, without a doubt, there would be some money going towards the temple, I'm sure. How does the corruption of the world get into church? Well, actually, we can see how it got into the temple. And we can see also uh, the leaders of the temple, what their actions were, reactions were towards Jesus. By what authority are you doing this? You're robbing our money. Hmm? You're taking from us. So when we're having a look at um, this clearing the temple, um, Je Jesus was, was dealing with that level of corruption. Does it happen today, I wonder? I, I think it could be a separate preach when you're actually having a look at do the values of the world intrude in church? It was quite simple if they'd gone to the law, and we heard that uh, the other week. You know, there were so many rules and regulations that man had made uh, in not keeping with the rule of God. And uh, when we're having a look at this, I, I wonder uh, what sort of values that we are allowing in our own lives, in our own thinking, that would be culturally fantastic. What are the things that are out there in the world that are saying, church, outdated, it's all wrong, it's, everything's changing, you don't know what you're talking about, uh, it, it's a book that was written 2,000 years ago, what possible relevance can it have today because the world has moved in its values? We can't allow it to get in. This wonderful book is the book of life. It's living, it's active, it's, it's, uh, it, it's so important that we build our lives on it. So there's Jesus clearing out, and the fifth part of what, the fifth part of uh, of this uh, wonderful chapter uh, ends up with them challenging Jesus's authority. Wasn't that <laughs> seriously? Here's the Savior. Here's the living Word of God. And what do you get? Well, actually, even the elders and so forth were challenging Jesus and saying, "Really? Who are you?" What do you think you're doing? Where do you get this authority? And in today's world, I believe that's one of the things that Satan's doing again, actually. 
challenging our authority. See, I don't have authority. Jesus is my authority. It's it's, it's not because I'm clever. (laughs) No, I'm not clever. I'm not clever, am I, darling? No, no. So I could ask any of my children as well. I mean, I really, and I love the fact that you think I'm wise. All I do is copy Jesus. You see, this just one of the, I love the fact that people think you're wise and you think, oh, no, no, just, just if you can get enough word in you and every now and again you bring it out at the right place at the right time, it's fantastic. You're wise, aren't you? Uh, and it's, it, and, and that's, the, that's the truth. It's, it's one of those things. I just need to tilt that a little bit. Okay. So when you have a look at these fig trees, going back to that and having a look at, uh, I need to just get my watch back in. Yeah, it's going to run a little bit over. So the fig tree, in, in Matthew 21 and in Luke uh, 19 and 20, we see the same story about the fig tree. So it's not just a simple, uh, oh, it's just in one of the Gospels. No, this is in three of the Gospels. The next day as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Didn't he have breakfast? Anyway, that's just one of those things. Seeing the distance of a fig tree and leaf, he went out to see if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves. <sighs> because it wasn't the season for figs. Didn't he know? Of course he knew. And then he said to the fig tree, may no one eat fruit from you ever again. And the Jesus heard him, uh, and, and all the disciples heard him say it. And later on, we see in verse 20, we see Peter saying, look, the fig tree, it's, it's absolutely withered from the roots up. Overnight, this had happened. You know? And uh, here, here we have uh, Jesus cursing the tree. Most of the time, we see Jesus blessing everybody, don't we? Oh, he's so lovely, isn't he, the way he blesses everybody. Isn't he? He's lovely the way he blesses everyone. He gives you everything. He doesn't give you everything that you want, does he? Because he knows everything isn't good for us. And we have a God who gives and takes away. There's a lovely song where we we sing that, don't we? Where God gives and he takes away. Because everything is his and everything's on loan. Even my life is on loan. It's his. When we're stewards, it says be a good steward. Why? Because you don't own anything. God owns it all. So if, if Jesus said, no, fig tree, that's t- your time, it's the fig tree's time. Now, fortunately, I'm getting on. I'm, I'm, I'm in my latter years. We were t- bumped into a couple that were in, uh, uh, in the garden centre yesterday, and uh, they were talking about their latter years and so forth, and, I, and about, have you made funeral arrangements? Who talks to a stranger in a, in a garden centre and says, have you made... We, we haven't done ours, they were saying. <laughs> oh, yeah, right, OK. So, so when I turn around and I say, God has a plan of when I was born... And when he's going to take me home to glory, he has. And my, na- my, my days are numbered by him because this body's on loan. He's got a great news for me. I've got a new one. Oh, it's going to be better than this one. Super, super news. So when Jesus curses the tree and it withers and dies, he has the authority to do that. And if it's in his mind to do that, then that's got to be right. Why? Because we can all read this piece of scripture eternally now and actually take the message Jesus wanted us to take from it. So here we are. Jesus was saying about the power of the word. He goes on about having faith in verse 22. Have faith. And the mountains will go if you have faith. Um, Yeah, I'm not going to 
carry on with that a little bit. I'm going to move on a little bit. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. That's what it says in Hebrews 11, verse 6. It's impossible to please God without faith. So I'd like to please God. And therefore, I need faith. When Martin was saying he was coming down the front and actually, and he got prayed for, you know, he came down the front and gave his testimony and, and about how, how and challenging life is, because life can be really challenging. And, and he shared some scriptures with us this morning. But what did he do? He came down the front for the prayer, believing that God could. I don't like could. And I, could you, Lord? It's, it's one of those, some of those words that, that come up that, is it really what the Word of God says? So in Hebrew 4, verse 12, it says, For the Word of God is active and alive, sharper than a double-edged sword. It penetrates dividing soul and spirit. So the Word of God, what is the Word of God? Well, let me just pick it up. <clears throat> uh, it's one of those things, let me get it out, because... It's a big old book. You can have a slim one like, like our pastor Graham. He's got a slim one. He's got a nice slim one. Uh, or, or you can have a thick one. Um, or you can have a... I don't mind which one it is, really. But this word of God that is alive and active. Is it the book that's alive and active? Is it? No, 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 thank you. I'm glad, I was glad someone knew, you know, <laughs> that it's not the book. The, I, I do revere the book. Why? Because it's got loads of things about my saviour in it. He, he's beautifully descriptive in here. And he tells me how to live a life of victory in here. So when we're looking at alive and active, as I read the word, the spirit of God that is in me, Breathe life into it. That's why standing in the river, why standing in the river of God, which is the Spirit of God, brings life to these words and, and changes it from being a word into being like 3D. It becomes the person of God. So when we're having a look at the fig tree and Jesus is talking about what you say really matters. Oh, look, I'm spreading out. I've got two phases now. So when the word is alive and active. So as we store up these words that is Christ in us, what we have in us is life-giving power. It's so powerful what's living in you. I wonder what your testimony is. Uh, when, when we're having a look at testimony, I wonder if it comes into this sort of thing, Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified have I? Have I? with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live now, I live in the body. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. I wonder what your testimony is. That testimony from the saints threw Satan out of heaven. When we're having a look at the words that came out of Jesus' mouth to the fig tree, what did it do? It brought a curse. So often what we see that comes out of Jesus' mouth is a blessing that brings freedom to the captives. Oh, it brings life to our souls. But this is an illustration of what can happen when you speak something out. 
In Revelation 12, uh, Revelation 12 verse 11, it says, They, that this is you and I, the believers, the saints in heaven, overthrew Satan by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. The word of our testimony overthrows Satan and his kingdoms. I've preached before on spiritual warfare, but it's just one of the most powerful things that we can do is hold on to the love of God in our lives. Philippians 4, the New King James Version, I like it the best. The others don't quite say it this way. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In a lot of the other words, it says him. I like Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things. Um, Can anybody think of anything that isn't covered by all? (laughs) Just wondering. All right. So, no, no, no. So, So I can do all things. What can't you do? What isn't possible? Nothing is impossible. I love that. Nothing is impossible for God. And if I'm living this life in the body... I'm living for Christ, in Christ. I love John 17, where Jesus makes that prayer about being in you, and the Father in you, and him in us, and us in him. Oh, it just ties it all together, doesn't it? How we are in this wonderful place. Now, I'm talking about words of faith and the words of power. Because as Jesus speaks out these words, in James it talks about who can tame the tongue. Who can tame the tongue? If you can tame the tongue, he says you're perfect. Perfect. Perfection is taming the tongue and having full control over it. Because if you can tame the tongue, you can control the whole body. That's what James says. Oh, okay. Because in in James also it says it's a restless evil. So we we, we don't want to go too far down that route. Words Words of faith have power. Many people speak weak and negative things about themselves and sometimes about others. So what comes out of our mouth can have power. So our testimony has enough power to overthrow Satan. Wow. I mean, that's quite powerful, isn't it? But more importantly than that, actually, the words that come out of our mouth can glorify Jesus. And actually, that's what overthrows Satan. All right. So, so what is it that overthrows him? The character of Christ in you coming out. Why? Because he has, you know, he, he, he has to bow and move aside when Jesus comes on the floor. And that's who's in you and I. However, sometimes we can think about and say things that are not helpful about our testimony. Our testimony can be, oh, I could never do that. I'm just not good enough. I'm not worthy. I wish my life was different. We can come up with all sorts of things in our thinking and then come out of our mouth that actually, what are we doing when we say negative things like that? In the reality, we're cursing ourselves. Our testimony needs to be that which Christ pronounces So when we're having a look at some of these words, I'll never be able to do that. They will never be able to do that. (laughs) So if we say it about others, what does that do for them? 
Right? It's coming out of our mouth. And, mouth uh, and because the Spirit of God lives in us, the words we say has power. And therefore, we don't want to be cursing people. If we, This word of encouragement, in the heart of encouragement, Sandeep says, fantastic. So what are we called to be? We're in called to be encouragers, aren't we? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Not discouragers, then. Not complainers and whingers. Grumblers. You see a number of the letters uh, in the epistles, etc. You find them saying, stop it, you grumblers and mumblers and all that sort of thing amongst the church, all right? You who criticize one another and so forth. Because your words have power. They have power to bless or to curse. So if I'm saying lovely things about you, and if I can't, shut up, Paul. No, seriously, shut up, Paul. Because actually, whatever comes out of our hearts comes out of our mouth. That's why it's so hard to control the tongue. That's why it's so difficult to you know, put the zip across, lock it up <laughs> at times. Uh, there are certain times that words of faith, what do they sound like? Well, if you can find scriptures of promises... Um, in the old faith teaching, they went too far. You know, you're, you're obviously a royalty and therefore you deserve to fly around in aeroplanes and all that sort of thing and be rich, right? Well, that, the faith teaching sort of took all of that too far. But what we do need to embrace is faith. Why? Because without it, it's impossible to please God. So grabbing hold of the promises of God and speaking them out over your life, that's the thing that actually frees you and blesses you, breaks the chains, helps you move on and brings you up. God is saying, come on, come up the stairs. I sat at the top praying this morning and it gives you a very different perspective of this room. And what God wants us to do, he wants to reach down and take you up a couple of steps, give you a better look at your own life. Because he's got wonderful plans for you. Do, do you know that? He's got some wonderful plans for you. And some you've not seen yet. Some, you know, some, some of them, you know, if you, if you saw what he had planned for you, uh, you would be saying, I can't do that. And that's okay. Because humanly you can't. But I can do through all things through who strengthens me. Absolutely. So it's not a formula. So I'm, I, I highlighted that. That's the one bit of highlight I've got in here. It's not a formula. I'm not saying if you testify it enough, it'll come true. What I am saying, if you testify it enough, it'll start feeling real in here. And if it starts feeling real in here, you can be in faith for it. And if you're in faith for it and you believe in God for it, you believe God's called you for it, it's going to happen. Because even if you say to the mountain, go and move, if you have the faith and you've got Christ in you, the mountain's going to move. Lots of people say weak things. One of the things that sort of strikes me is, um, some of you know that I do all, all sorts of things outside of work and outside of, of church. I, I do training courses and so forth. And, and I get people to improve their questioning skills. And I have this tendency to say, no, that's not right. Okay, that's not right. You've got, you've got to try and do that in a different way. So sometimes when you come to God and you say, Oh Lord, could you get me a parking space, please? We used to do that a lot with the kids. <laughs> Just, but we didn't used to say, Could you? That's a little bit like saying, Could, could we go to Disney this year? 
What could a parent say? What sort of response could a parent say? We'll see. We'll see. Very good. Love that. Okay, we'll see. Uh, okay. Uh, because could isn't really asking. We're saying, is it possible? Would you? It's, it's another one of those possible things, isn't it? We don't see, we don't see Jesus saying, um, could you be healed? We don't see that. We see Jesus saying, be healed. There's a statement of faith that comes out that doesn't have a question mark about it. So when we actually look at some of the words that we use, are they words that come out of faith or come out of possibilities? Are they? Because that's that the words that we use actually have power. And the more we use the words that God says in his wonderful here we have this canon of scripture that is perfect, right? And uh, it's not to be worshipped, he is. But it always points to him, which I love. So, faith in the miraculous one who does it all. In John 14, 14, it says, And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. That's a pretty good promise, isn't it? When you, I, mean, I know from, some, from uh, Graham's word last week, it, it was, oh, there's some things, Lord, that we haven't seen yet, and you, you want them to, to happen, etc. Many came down the front, and we saw, some, uh, we, we saw people being prayed for, etc. Now, before we move into that, words have power, uh, there was a last bit of that fig tree piece, which was about forgiveness. And it says, actually, if you're ever in prayer and anything comes to mind about how you might need to forgive a brother or sister, then actually you should go and make it right with them. And, and it puts it quite clearly that actually if that's the case, then um, it makes it much easier for God to forgive you if you forgive others like God forgave you. Hold on, I thought he had forgiven me. He has forgiven me. You're free, you're clean. It's absolutely right. It's, that's not the issue. The issue is the heart. If we've got unforgiveness, i.e. not forgiving other people, that can cause a bit of a problem in our lives. So uh, has anybody ever done anything to you that needed forgiving? Some, you know. Pretty much everybody's had something done to them. They could be cutting me up on the motorway. It could be anything. But they've done something to me, stole something through me, hit me, hurt me, whatever it is. Somewhere along the line, someone will have done something that needed forgiving. And you might have had a short account, and therefore you forgave them straight away, move on. Yeah? Oh, aren't those the good ones? Okay. So then there's the ones that actually hang around. Now, the challenge about forgiveness is that Jesus taught us how to forgive in the Lord's Prayer. Lord, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive. Oh, I didn't know it was conditional. Come on. As I forgive those who trespass against me. Oh, hold on a moment. So you're only going to give, forgive the stuff that I forgive. That's, that's hard, Lord. No, I know. Have a look at the cross. I know it's hard. Have a look at the cross. 
The challenge with unforgiveness, it does two things. One thing it does, it leaves a wound in your heart. And therefore it continues to hurt. And the father doesn't like you hurting. He says, I'd like to heal that. If you've got some unforgiveness, I'd like to heal that. But to heal that, I've got something else has got to happen. Because what unforgiveness does, it binds you to the person who hurt you. They might be Christians, they might not. But it's bound you in an unhealthy way to that person and to that memory. And therefore it's pretty difficult to heal a hurt when you keep picking at the scab. So when you've got unforgiveness, God wants to heal you in that and bring you to a place of wholeness and freedom. But he said, well, if you don't forgive them, son, daughter, the hurt's going to just keep resurrecting itself. So, uh, well, why have we got to do this just when we're getting into prayer? <laughs> and he said, well, it won't stop the prayer and it won't stop your faith. But it does put a restriction in of the Spirit of God flowing through you when you've got unforgiveness and you're bound to some memory that really we need to give over to God. So there's our forgiveness. When you stand praying, it says. So for me, I was just coming to a close. Yeah, actually, I'm, I'm pretty much on time. 30 minutes, that's fine. 30 minutes, that's pretty good, isn't it, really? I was, I was yeah, uh, all right. Uh, <coughs> amazing, really. <laughs> I'm surprised. So, there were two things I thought we would finish on. And uh, one of them has to do with some of you uh, need to come and lay some forgiveness at the cross. Some of you have probably got... No, not probably. If God is speaking to me, and I believe he is, so here we go... Um, some of you have got forgiveness, pains. You've got hurts. You've got one or two hurts. We, we, were, we were praying in life group uh, a good few weeks ago. It must be a month ago now. And we were talking about how to pray for people that have hurt you. Because it's hard. How do you get healing from unforgiveness? You pray for people that have done the hurting. And when you pray for them, doesn't heal you straight away. You keep on praying for them. And you keep on praying for them. And you keep on praying for them. And do you know the wonderful thing is? God gives you a heart for that person. And God does a work in you. And he heals that in you as he blesses that person. And it was just a, a great time of realization. Hey, forgiveness isn't a five-minute thing. If it, was, if it was that shallow, we would have forgiven it ages ago. <laughs> but it's usually a bigger hurt than that. So uh, I believe that some of you, you know, want to come forward and leave that hurt at the cross. Jesus died for all my sin and he died for all their sin, whatever they've done to me. And wouldn't it be wonderful if that person who hurt me when they're sitting in church, that I can go and give them a hug because the healing's already done. So uh, I believe some of you need to bring perhaps some of those unforgiveness things at the cross. And, and just, look, this is just like it is the cross. So if you've got one or two of those and you want to bring it down, in a moment I've got the second thing to cover. 
The other thing is um, fresh prayers of faith. Fresh prayers of faith. Because when we're praying, Jesus says, if you believe you've received it. So the best way of praying in faith is not that I will be healed, but that I am healed. I might not have the evidence of it yet. I may not have the evidence of it yet, but I'm praying this prayer that thank you, could be healing. Thank you for my healing. I'm holding on to it. It's not like um, Amazon. Uh, any of you bought stuff on Amazon? Yeah, okay. It goes straight out of your bank account and it's on its way, isn't it? You've paid for it and it's on its way. And you know it's coming, don't you? Okay? Uh, there's no doubt it belongs to you because you paid for it. But it's on its way. Okay? When you pray to God, it should be a bit like that. Right? I've prayed for it. It's on its way. I haven't got it yet, but it belongs to me. Why? Because it's a promise of God. So have I got more faith in God than I have on Amazon? <laughs> okay, what about that prayer then? That you haven't got yet? Okay, do you see what I'm talking about? Yeah. And it's just putting that whole logical thing, Lord, you're, it's on its way. Because if I've got faith it's on, on its way, the mountain moves. And some of you have got wonderful testimonies. We've heard some wonderful testimonies of how God just does amazing things. And it was on its way for a long time, Paul. Not for God it wasn't. He knew the journey that you had to go on to get it. And the journey was that good. So if you've got any of those prayers, this morning is a good opportunity for you to come down to the front. Nobody's praying for you. This is for you to pray it afresh. Lord, I believe it's on its way. I believe it's mine and it's on its way because you're a father who tells me the truth and you never lie and you've declared it to me. If I believe it, then it's mine. And I'm going to hold on to that. No matter how long it takes, I know it's mine. So it, the, the, the place at the bottom, uh, Sandeep will wind it up at some stage. I'm going to get off the stage. But... I just want to give those opportunities. What is it that you, you've prayed for before and you've thought, well, maybe. This morning is an opportunity, not maybes. It's mine by faith. It's here by faith. It's, it, we're, we're all physical beings, but inside you is the Holy Spirit of God who fills the universe. He's completely in you. Here's the miracle. Here's the absolutely compelling. He's completely in you. The one who fills the universe. What? It's something more than me. But it's on its way. And it's mine. So whatever that, that, that is for you, and there'll be a few of you that have got really big issues that you've been waiting for, and I want you to change your thinking this morning. It's mine. God's given it to me. I'm believing for it. It doesn't have to be huge faith. Faith the size of a mustard seed. Lord, I believe. Help me in my unbelief. We heard that the other week. So I'm going to give it a, a little bit of time. You don't have to put hands up. That's not what this is about. Um, I believe that actually faith is not just words, it's actions. 
All right? So here's the action this morning. If you want to see that fruit of healing, I believe getting up and moving in faith to call on God and say, this morning, Lord. So for the rest of you who aren't doing anything uh, and not going to be coming, uh, just close your eyes and pray that God will touch hearts. Now, the people down the front, you're just going to leave things, or people down the front, you're coming for prayer. That means you could be coming to claim good stuff and claiming good stuff on the healing side. Yeah, I could repeat myself again. So let's just wait on the Lord. Let's give it a couple of minutes. Thank you, Lord. to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.